Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Mixed Martial Arts, Mixed Martial Arts, UFC Paris preview show starts now. Wow, Casey the Robot leads us in because for the first time ever, the UFC is in the city of lights, the city of love, the fashion capital of the world as UFC Paris is set to go down tomorrow a historic event for the promotion, one that has a high-stakes main event in the heavyweight division. Thank you for joining us. Let us welcome you to our live UFC Paris preview show on MAFighting.com. Early start time for the card means early start time for the preview show. I am Mike Heck, joined by the sleep-deprived, the man's man, Prince of Positivity, Alexander K. Lee. Hello. Hello, Mr. my best friend. Hello, my best friend. Hello, Hello. my best friend. Yes, I. Uh, if, if anyone was up getting live updates from MMAfighting.com on the UFC Paris official lands, great it website. Was, great website. It was uh, your boy up at uh, three in the morning Eastern time, uh, bringing you those updates. And w- and with pleasure, I, I I do not say this to get gratitude or praise. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a great way to spend an evening slash morning, uh, and I'm revitalized by. Uh, 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 Casey's robot-like intro, shades of uh, of, of a Daft Punk, which I think is very appropriate for for UFC Paris. Wow, that's very well done, AK. Very mm-hmm. well done. Let mm-hmm. us say hello to a man who is very well rested. Probably got his full eight hours. Mister No Gray Area himself, Jed Mishu. Hello, Jed. Hey, Mike. Doing great. Coming off a big dub, you know, right for a great website. Everything's great. Talking about a okay card. It's a great day. And of course, Casey the Robot lied in on the ones and twos. Shout out to him. We'll hear from him a little bit later on. But AK, UFC Paris, quality main event between Cyril Gaon and Tai Tuivasa. There's a lot on the line there. Co-main event is a great fight. One that's kind of flying under the radar, for being honest, between Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori. Some good scraps mixed in across the slate. Some local flair for the Paris and French MMA fans. Have a patented AK Lee gymnastics scale score for this oh. card. And do we have a poll? Do we have a poll? Oh, no, we have neither. I'll, I'll set a poll after I do my bit. Um, boy, I, you know, it's funny. I was looking at the card. I was giving it a deep look this morning, but more for like fact checking and kind of getting some background and some of these fighters who I'll be honest, I'm not super familiar with. Um, though I guess on the basis of that, you can kind of make your own score. It definitely does not. It's, it's below an eight. It's below an 8.0 as much as I, I really love the main event. I'm really excited for the co-main, as you mentioned, um, and I think I think most people are too. But the rest of the card, it's uh, slim pickings, I would say, as far as like more casual, like what's a good hook for the casual viewer? Ugh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, well, again, we'll get into it. There are some definitely some good ones. This has to be though closer, like a 7.5, 7.4 on the gymnastics scale, and that's like again, that's like if everything goes right and and we get some big surprises. Um, you know, you, you can always, you never know. It's uh, you can always use the it's the cards that we doubt and that we kind of like criticize beforehand that always love her. Yeah. 
Uh, fine, I don't know, maybe that happens. But just being objective, just looking at some of the names who people may know, or in this case, may definitely not know, uh, 7.4, 7.5, or 7.4, or, uh, 7.5. Sink. There we go. Well done. Well done. We are just amazing stuff. This is why you come here. It's Canadian. This preview show. So, Jed, yes, he sure is. Jed, Cyril Gon returns. He gets to fight in front of his home crowd. First fight since the loss to Francis Ngannou. Takes on the surging Tai Tuivasa, who has become quite the underdog story and quite the popular fighter on top of that. Currently... Our friends at DraftKings has the line, Cyril Gunn, massive favorite, up to minus 580. Come back on Tai Tuivasa, plus 440. Now, Jed, you have a great podcast with Connor Burks, No Bets Barred. And while many, even on heck of a morning this morning, people are like, this line is crazy. They're scoffing at this line. They're scoffing at it in a certain way. You are also scoffing at it, but probably not in the same way everybody else is. Is that accurate? Oh, super. Uh, I am astonished that this line has stayed as low as it has. I, I'm i I'm going on a big limb, and maybe I will look like a big old idiot. That's totally possible. I almost have a Valentina Shevchenko earlier this year. Uh, but I don't know how Tai Tuivasa wins this fight. Like, I just genuinely don't know it. I uh, I said it on, on No Bets Bar. I said yesterday on Be- um, Between the Links, also a great program. Make sure you check that out. Uh, I wrote it in the gambling column uh, preview that will arise today. Here, here are just the facts, man. I don't know how else to put this, but clean facts for you. Gan has lost 0% of a fight in which he was standing. He has won every single minute of every fight he has been standing in. You'll look at his record. He blanked all of his opponents who didn't take him down. He was tuning Francis Ngannou up on the feet. Granted, Ngannou had the blown knee or whatever, but he was taking and gone to school. He's the bus driver. Hey, load on up. I'm going to take you to school. I'm going to teach you how to kickbox because that's a thing I can do better than anybody else in the heavyweight division. And he lost when he got taken down. And that's it. And unless Ty Tuivasa has been working on his D1 wrestling skills or whatever, he's just going to do the same. He's, he is nothing different that Sirogan hasn't faced. I love Ty Tuivasa. I hate this fight because I think it's way more fun to keep Ty as a fun guy. But what, what's he going to do? Charge forward and punch Seogon in the face? He's sure not going to do that because no one else has been able to do that. And it's not like Ty's a better athlete than Francis Ngannou. Like, he just doesn't have the tools to make anything happen. I think, like, straight up, Gon should be a minus 1,000 favorite in this fight. Like, it's such a good matchup for him. AK, do you agree with that? I know, I know after appearing on No Bets Barred, great podcast, that – you've sort of tapped into the pony playing side of the Prince of Positivity. So now that you are not, I mean, you're not, a, you're not a big one, but you have dabbled a little bit more than you have in the past. So the do you agree with Jed? Bets, baby. Let's go. That's right. Do you agree with Jed that this line should actually be higher in favor of Cyril Ghosn? What's it at now? Like about plus, plus 600 for uh, plus 600 Ghosn, eh? Plus 550. Minus, 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 minus 580. I'm sorry. Minus, excuse me. Yeah. Minus, yeah, minus, yeah, minus five. Um, it could be higher, sure, sure. But uh, I think, as most people know, I am much more optimistic that something absolutely crazy would happen. Now, Jed is objectively right. Like, I just don't know how you break this fight down and how you, you know, based on what we both we know about Tai Tuivasa, based on what we know about Cyril Ghosn, um, if we expect a bounce-back performance from Cyril Ghosn, which, which, I mean, by all accounts, you should. It's hard to say. He's never lost before, but doesn't seem like the guy who's going to just relax after taking a tough championship loss like that. But I have been really pushing the tie to Ivasa train for a while. So maybe people should not trust my judgment on this. And I would certainly say do not gamble on this long shot. But so many stranger things have happened in heavyweight. And yes, a very, very, very strange thing would have to happen for Tai to Ivasa to beat Silogon. I understand that. But I just feel it. I feel there's something I, I really have been uh, I think when Ty knocked out Derek Lewis, we had quite a bit of discussion over, man, is he really a top three like heavyweight? Does he take Derek Lewis's spot? And and I think eventually, if you look at our rankings, we kind of decided, no, most of us decided bump Derek Lewis down and then kind of give Ty a top five spot, but not, you know, not, not, not in the no higher than that. Um, but I think I put him at four. I think I might have him as high as anyone. And I stand by it. I, I just don't see why this run can't continue for him. You know, even looking at their skill sets, even looking at the matchup. Great matchup for Seattle. Terrible matchup for Ty to Ivasa. I get it. I'm, but I'm, I'm expecting 
I, I just think he's going to bring maybe not something that that um, CeeLo hasn't seen before, but just in, in a way, in a way, he's going to bring a, a an approach, a style, an attitude that maybe CeeLo hasn't seen before. Because I don't know if anyone has this kind of weird, laid back, brash confidence um, that Tuivasa has right now, and that could be to his detriment. But I am leaning towards it being to uh, to his benefit. I've definitely never once thought of Derek Lewis as a laid back, confident dude. He's not that confident, I don't think. He's laid back. We'll agree to disagree on I that. Mean, I mean, he doesn't not not in the same way that Ty is. Not in the same way that Ty is. Ty now is saying all the right things about about like, oh, I want to be a champion and all that stuff, and and and, and I believe it. Like I, I don't. Derek Lewis never really had that moment. He's is so reluctant. It's so reluctant, and he got two title fights, and both times there's kind of that reluctance to like to like jump in and say, yes, I am the best heavyweight in the world. Yes, I am going to you know I am going to do this. Like, I, I don't think Derek Lewis ever really embraced that. I think there's a slight difference with Ty. I do feel like Ty really genuinely believes that he could be the UFC heavyweight champion. I don't know if Der- I think that's one hurdle Derek Lewis never quite got over. Maybe. Yeah, they both have. I mean, it's not equal, but they both have this sort of confident indifference to them and Derek's more on the indifferent side while Ty is a little more on the confident I want to be the best in the world side Derek Lewis was never really like that she's like give me my money and let me do my damn thing but Jed we'll, we'll get your official pick in a moment I think we know where you're leaning but we'll dive into more specifics there we got your side of the stakes on BTL so I'll go to AK and I know Jed disagrees with this so but I want to get your take on this AK I feel like the lion's share of the pressure here is on Cyril Gaon. He just lost to the champion in his last fight. The division is sort of in shambles in the aftermath of that fight because of Nganu's future being unknown, not just because of the knee injury, but you know because of the contract status. There's the, the, the unknown surrounding John Jones and Stipe Miocic. There's Curtis Blades, and I know that was a tough way to win, but he is coming off of a win in the books against Tommy Aspinall. So taking a back step right now for Cyril Gaon is very, very bad. And for Ty to kind of build upon the point, the guy's very popular. He's fan friendly. He is a fresh matchup for the champion and a lot of other guys in the top five right now. And everybody loves the Cinderella story. So if Gon wins, yes, it's a setback for Ty. Gon will probably fight Blades. But I think this is a loss here is something Tuavasa can come back from. And if he wins, good Lord. But if Gon loses again tomorrow, that's too straight. This one would be in front of a home crowd. I think this sets him back quite a ways. What are your thoughts on the pressures and the stakes here for both guys? Uh, yeah, listen, I said a lot about Ty's mindset. I didn't speak too much about Cyril, but I actually do think Cyril is pretty solid mentally. Again, I, I think he's one of the better personalities in MMA, not just the heavyweight. Um, he, he's he's definitely not like a lot of fighters. He, I think he carries himself in a unique way. I think he has kind of a quirky sense of humor, and I like that about him. And and I, again, those are things that I consider to be a plus, especially if we're talking about how you deal with a loss, how you deal with you know coming off a, a championship opportunity that on paper a lot of people thought was very winnable for you, and and then losing it in such an unexpected way, being out wrestled. Um, so yeah, listen, that that stuff is tough, but that stuff is also very like solvable. It's fixable. You know, he could he can look. There's so many things he can look at in that Francis Ngannou fight and be like, wow, like this is this is really what went wrong here. Um, it, it's not a mystery. You know, after the fight is over, it's not a mystery what happened. We know we know where, where the weaknesses were. Now is that going to play in here? I mean, like we said, probably not. Tuivasa is not turning to D1 tie and uh, shooting him for a lot of takedowns. I don't imagine. And if he does, I don't know if he could do it with the effectiveness of, of Francis Ngannou. But just just the idea of having to you know just the feeling of having of losing of having had a weakness exposed um i think will be very good for seattle so he doesn't really strike me even with the pressure of fighting in paris headlining the first ufc event in in, in this city uh it's i think he's the kind of guy that's going to thrive off of it for sure and i think and i think win or lose um i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's gonna ruin him i think it'll hurt for sure too straight of course uh once you get this level very tough and then losing in front of your home crowd even tougher but like i said he has a demeanor that i think he loses too straight yeah he takes a step back from the division but for me do, does not rule him out at all of uh, of battling back into contention in fact i might go as far as to say i know and i know you just made a strong point for ty how ty could fight his way back but i might i might disagree with my best friend and say that i actually think uh if ty loses this might be his last i don't want to say his last it is heavyweight but it'll, it'll be tough for him to sort of get back to um 
to this level he's reached. He's on a hell of a streak right now. Uh, it'll be it'll be really difficult to replicate that again. Gone, I think, like his skill set is just so good. Um, he could find a way back easier. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're you're both not wrong about that, but we don't live in the world of meritocracy here in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. We live in a world where the best fight, not even the best fight, but the fight that makes the most money makes the most sense, more so than who deserves what, so forth and so on. We've talked about it many times, and we will continue to talk about that. But anything you want to add to that, Jed, that AK didn't say? Just, uh, I think we're overestimating how big of a star Ty Tuivasa is. Not that he's not. He's certainly, people like Ty, but I think that being a star probably matters less at heavyweight, just from the UFC's perspective. They sort of seem to view heavyweights naturally as more important. I think that's, you know, old combat sports world taking over there. But I'm with a, I, I said it yesterday on BTL. I, I, I thought we all agreed, which is the thing. This narrative has changed in the last three months. I thought we all agreed when we beat Derek Lewis. So like, oh, dude, he's the top three. There's no way he's actually a top three guy. But like, this is really fun. Let's keep this going. Like as soon as he loses, the the oasis vanishes. The mirage disappears. Like he, Sigur Gan is legitimately good. Like he's like legitimately one of the best heavyweights in the world and will be for some time. Taito Ivasa is at a streak right now, and when clock strike midnight, like that's it. The pumpkin doesn't turn back into a carriage. So the pressure is on him, except for Ty doesn't care about the pressure. So it's it, it just is what it is. This is a fight that's good and matters. I don't think either dude is coming in with a lot of built-up anxiety about it. But if there's pressure somewhere here, yeah, I think it's absolutely on Ty. Well, I guess it's me and New York Rick versus Jed and AK, and that's fine. This is why we have these preview shows. But I, I think we're all in agreement that after the win over Derek Lewis, Tai Tuivasa should have just been thrown into some sort of interim title fight immediately. And if he wins this fight on tomorrow, he should his next fight has to be for the title, whether it's interim or not, depending on how this all shapes out. But if Tai Tuivasa beats Daryl Gunn, his next fight has to be for the title. Should have been Ty versus Tommy Aspinall. Like that was the fight. If, if he has to fight somebody that's not going to be for a belt, instead of Cyril gone, Tommy Aspinall. Because then you're at least boosting Tommy if he gets the dub. And also apparently Tommy Aspinall's knee didn't work. So then Ty would have won that fight and then he's in <laughs> and he's in a title fight. So that was the fight that should have happened. Giving Ty, Cyril gone or Curtis Blades were promotional malpractice. And that we ended up with one of those. So it was fun. Yeah. The shoey phase was fun. <laughs> So I guess we know, I mean, we already know clearly if you've listened for the last 10 minutes where you're going with this pick, but what's like the official pick gone via fill in the blank. I'm officially taking gone via decision. Ty is really tough. Uh, the only question for me is whether Ty decides uh, after losing a couple of rounds, F it, I'm, I'm just going to go haywire here at which point he's really going to open himself up for counters. But I think the most likely thing is, we see gone do zero gone things and just be way more athletic and be on his bike and hit and not get hit and Ty have no real answers to that. So I'm t- officially taking by decision for zero gone. AK, what's what's your official pick here? Are we going with the upset? Are you picking Ty to Ivasa? Is that is that what he's about to say? Oh, of course I am. Uh, uh, as Jed, you know, that, and I think Jed had it right, is will, will Ty go berserk? And I think he will. And I think he'll go berserk in round two. I think an absolutely, like, frustrating first five minutes where he just lands nothing on Silogan. He kind of tries to, like, smart, fight a smarter fight and just, you know, obviously gets outclassed. And I think it'll – I don't think it's going to take that long. I think it's one round of, of getting uh, uh, embarrassed and he's like – I'm going for it. I'm going. If I get knocked out, I get knocked out. But I am. I am having faith. He's going to put the pressure on this man somehow, and somehow land a big shot. Uh, I don't know if it's. You can call it. You can call it luck. You can call it again. Uh, you know the, the benefits of aggression. Whatever you want to call it. I. I just. I. I have. I have said this for a long time, and so I can't go against it. I have said to Ivasa, can knock out Gan, and now on this show, Mike, I am saying he will knockout Sidelgan in round two. Wow. Now, from a betting perspective, and I'm not a better, I have been on No Bets Barred, great pod- podcast one, once before, but there's there's two ways I would go with this if I was actually betting. I wouldn't money line any of this unless you're parlaying some stuff up. Sidelgan by decision is plus 200. I like that a lot. 
But if you're going to bet on Ty, like why even why not get the most juice possible and just take him by KO, which is plus 650 right now. So some betting advice from a guy who doesn't bet. But I think Jed would agree that both of those lines make more sense than picking these guys straight. Right. Uh, certainly on the tie. Like I don't I don't think there's a person alive who thinks ties winning a decision like it's it's KO or bust. So I am honestly uh, super surprised that lines that different like. Because he's he's like plus four plus four forty. I yeah. I would have thought the KO line was like maybe plus five hundred. Like it should have been very similar. So if it's a plus six something, uh, if you're backing Ty in any regard, that would be the way to go. I don't quite agree. I I do think a bet on gone by decision uh, is fine at plus two hundred. I'm betting the over on this fight at a two and a half. I'm also taking a shot on the over three and a half, and I've gone in several parlays, but. I said it on No Bets Bard this week. I think actually like the the best bet you could make on this card is to just put all of the money you would bet on any fight on Cyril Gone, even at this price. Like I know the price is high, but whatever you are going to bet, just don't bet the other ones because this feels like such a lock to me. And wow. it's still a real value because again, I think this line should be minus a thousand. So at minus five eighty, this is tremendous value. <laughs> For, for Jed, my perspective, I, I don't want to tell you how to run no bets bar because you and Connor do an amazing <laughs> job. But shouldn't, should, shouldn't we have a no heavyweight fights are a lock rule? Isn't that a thing? Isn't that such a thing that no heavyweight fights are a lock? We just saw, no. we just saw Romanov, Romanov and Tabura. Would you not have called that a lock? No, I didn't but, think but, that was a lock. Oh, I, I definitely thought of- I definitely thought Romanov was going to win, but I didn't think that was a lock. But like, oh, I think a lot of people did. I don't. I think I think that's your rule. No, there's no such thing as a heavyweight lock. No, no. There no. is a heavyweight lock, though. <laughs> not, not, not officially a lock, but scientific research dictates that there is one sort of heavyweight lock, or close to it, right, Jed? We're almost. We've almost proven that heavyweight overs always hit. It's. We need oh. a few more tests to confirm, but we we know definitively that flyweight yes. unders hit. I said the opposite of flyweight unders. The inverse rule. Right. The inverse exactly. Rule. So I was I was in I was interested in scientifically testing the inverse rule, and it has hit a lot lately. So a few more tests, but. I'm firmly on the over this week and you know a couple more tests and we'll we'll have that scientifically proven that heavyweight overs never miss. Wow. So as far lab. as my pick I'll make my pick short and sweet. Grinding. I, yeah. I think the first 8 minutes of this fight are going to be edge of your seat viewing, but I think Gon is pretty savvy and smart enough to mind his P's and Q's to the effect that this one's just going to get extended. It's going to get out of the second round. And then that's when gone is really going to pull away here. He's just going to out kickbox tie to Ivasa down the stretch. I think to will make it to the final bell, but I think he loses probably a 50, 45 decision here. So yeah, that's what I think happens. But Ty does have the quote unquote. Man, no one going, no one going gone by submission. I wanted somebody to feel frisky with it. You know nah, the man's just, got a little bit of sub? You got some does. subs on him. He legitimately does, yeah. He does, but he's coming off of a loss, and I think he's just going to fight a smart fight, like the the just the smartest fight he can. Just stay away, survive the first eight minutes of the fight, and just cruise. No need to oh. do anything crazy. So apparently the, apparently the listeners to this program do not believe me because as I'm looking at DraftKings, Sirogan oh. has dropped to minus 540. Oh, so, whoa. See? So you guys aren't paying attention because somehow the number's <laughs> moving more towards gone. The wrong which doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, they, so love that, they, love, <laughs> yeah, they love that tie by knockout, you know? It's, uh, I guess maybe tie, tie by knockout. And uh, I will say, our, may just, it may be that they somebody was like, oh, tie by knockout's plus 650. That's stupid. So, yeah. Uh, our YouTube poll right now, uh, and I didn't put I didn't put who wins the main event. I want to phrase it a little a little differently. You know, who wins the main event is a little more of like an objective pick. So I want to leave it just like a little more wide open for Ty. So it's just can Ty Tuivasa beat Cetelgan? Um, So it's sixty six percent right now. Yes, but again, that's a very different question than who would you pick to win the fight. It's just like it means sixty six percent think somehow uh, Ty, you know, can find a way can find a way to get a win. But I imagine if it was uh, who who would win, I'm pretty sure Cetel would be. Um, it'd be like at least 50 something percent in his favor. So, uh, but right now, yes, uh, 66%, one third of our, uh, of our people who vote in our poll think that uh, he at least has a chance that uh, tied to of us has a chance. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge 
that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there we go. Let's go to the co-main event. The former middleweight champion, Robert Whitaker, taking on Marvin Vittori. If you haven't seen it at the ceremonial weigh-ins, Marvin Vittori hit Robert Whitaker with the, the fake-out handshake, gave him the little Dikembe Mutombo, no, 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 and said some things. Whitaker just smirked, and Vittori walks away. Vittori just basically did Vittori things at the ceremonial weigh-ins, but we have a fight between two guys, AK, that are battling it out to be the number two middleweight in the world, both guys have already lost twice to the current champion, Israel Adesanya. What's actually on the line here, AK, outside of the number two middleweight spot in the rankings? You know, I'm one of those people who I always say when you have, you know, when, you, when you're able to just put together what I think is a great matchup like this, I don't want to sweat. You know, I feel like not every fight has to be about title implications, has to be about, oh, how, how many fights are they away from getting a rematch with, with Adesanya? Because like, they're both pretty far. They're both pretty far. Um, neither guy's second fight with him was particularly exciting, let's be honest. Um, Whitaker maybe maybe gave him a little bit of a better challenge, but that was that's that fight is sort of part of the um current, you know, uh, is he uh is he a boring fighter narrative? So that's usually not a good sign and not something that would make the UFC want to book that one again anytime soon. Um so I'll be honest. So for me, honestly, I don't I, I'm just glad this fight is happening. I think it's been postponed, what, like a couple of times maybe? At least once, at least once. Um, but it's definitely one that's been in the works and people have talked about for a while. So I'm glad they were able to keep it together. Sometimes I just want to see two top five middleweights fight each other, especially one that I think is a, it's a good style matchup. I think Whitaker, you know, has a takedown defense to not get dominated by um, Vittori. If Vittori decides to wrestle, I think Vittori has enough striking and, and certainly size and power um, that if, uh, if Whitaker, you know, if it stays in the feet, He's an interesting challenge for Whitaker. You know, I think Whitaker's a more skilled fighter, but I do think he's going to be giving up um, some legitimate size to Marvin Vittori. So I know this is a boring answer. I know people in the uh, in the chat, I'm sure they want blood. They want to know, again, who's oh, – well, yeah, what are these guys fighting for? What, what They're not getting a title anytime soon. Why is this happening? Sometimes, again, you just want to see high-level middleweights go at it, two of the best guys in the division. That, to me, is exciting. But um, I don't know. Mileage may vary on that for, for everyone else. For those who missed BTL, Jed Bashu got – a point talking about this fight just based on the description of Marvin Vittori as a fighter and you know what's actually going on here right now Robert Whitaker is a minus 210 favorite Marvin Vittori comes back at plus 180 so Jed just to reiterate and I'll let you go off on your thing here for those watching right now they're looking for any gambling advice on our official MMA fighting topology picks since there's no money lines no nothing I would assume you're going to go Robert Whitaker, but from a value perspective, based on the current betting lines, I have to say like Marvin Vittori at plus 180 in this matchup, that's going to look a little enticing. Does it not? You nailed it. I in topology, I've picked Whitaker by decision not to give away the game, but that's what it is. 
but I have a bet down on Marvin Vittori. Uh, the number moved a little bit more towards Vittori. Um, it was a little bit higher, plus 195. It's down to plus 180. I got it at plus 195. I won't redo my whole Marvin Vittori thing from yesterday because you can go watch BTL, and frankly, it wouldn't be as good <laughs> as that rendition of it, which was really from the heart. The short version of it is Marvin Vittori is the middleweightiest middleweight that's ever middleweighted, and that's means he's a really damn good fighter. And so I like Robert Whitaker. I think Robert Whitaker probably is the second best middleweight in the world. And by probably, I mean he has proven it pretty conclusively. But for who the hell knows what Alex Pajera is going to throw awful wrenches <laughs> in the thing, in, in the script here. But he's obviously extremely talented, extremely good, puts his game together well. But he hasn't really fought Marvin Vittori before or a guy of, of that ilk where – Whitaker can't get Vittori out of there. We can just start there. There is – I you can't finish Marvin Vittori. It, it is not a thing that is doable. He is too big. He is too durable. His cardio is very solid, and he seemingly does not care what he gets hit in the face with. Could be a two-by-four, and he's just going to keep plodding his ass forward, putting your back on the fence. That's a really difficult style for a lot of people to, to match up with, and I know Whitaker's got the karate and the bouncing and the range and stuff. But if he decides he's going to sit down on punches and then he can't get him out of there, what does that look like? I have questions because we I said it yesterday. We saw it the other week. You don't have to score takedowns. I don't think Vittori is going to be able to put Whitaker on the mat. Whitaker is an unbelievably good wrestler. But if you can just hold him against the fence, judges seem to like that. Jose Aldo <laughs> lost him off the Philly because he got held. He just got hugged really, really tightly. And that was very difficult. And at the minimum, if that's what this fight is going to look like, if Vittori is the one always coming forward and Whitaker is bouncing around and, and landing shots that do not hurt him at all, because that's the other thing you have to take into account, right? Damage is subjective. Judges view shots differently. And even if the shot looks like it lands clean and it does, if Vittori just walks through it because he's impervious to damage – then that will weigh less heavily on the judges' minds. And maybe something something weird happens. Maybe maybe Whitaker starts breaking down a little bit under the constant pressure. Maybe the judges just see Vittori holding him and are like, I'll give him some rounds, and a weird splitty happens. I think this fight is close to 60-40, you know, maybe 55-45 Whitaker. I, I do favor him to win, and I would favor him a lot more over five rounds, honestly. Three rounds – a lot of weirdness can happen in three rounds, man. It's a short fight, and Vittori is a really difficult guy in a lot of respects for a lot of people. So I've got a value bet on Whitaker, on, on Vittori. I do think Whitaker will win. Love an over bet here. Also, just to answer the question you led with AK, what they're fighting for is the, the presidency of the Alex Pajeta fan club because whoever wins this fight, if Pajeta knocks out Izzy, well, they're probably getting the next middleweight title shot. So that's that is what this is for. The president of the Alex Pajeta fan club. Jed, what are your thoughts about Whitaker talking about the move to 205? Like he doesn't doesn't want to just go up willy-nilly and be, as he said to the fine folks at Submission Radio, he doesn't want to be just like a fat middleweight fighting at 205. He wants to take it seriously and take the time to move up the right way. So let's just say we're probably not going to have a decision. If he goes out, wins this fight, he's probably going to wait till after November 12th to see how that fight between Adesanya and Pereira plays out before he makes his official decision. But let's just say Adesanya goes in there, beats Pereira. We move on from that feud. Do you like the idea of Whitaker going to 205 or do you think he should stay where he's at? I don't know. Um, it's something I really never envisioned. I know he used to talk about it before he lost the belt to Izzy, that like that would have been a thing for him. But something I he feels far too small. He's a former welterweight, and it seems like he's too big to go to welterweight legitimately. But even if I mean, if he's going to go doing it like he said, putting on the size is probably a better idea. But I still just don't. I mean, he in that same interview acknowledged, I all even doing this correctly, I don't like some of the pretty clear disadvantages I will have. They they will all be bigger than me, even if I add weight, and that will that will bring challenges. And I think that's true. I think the truth is he's a middleweight. And 
if he wants to Rich Franklin it, you know, and just be the second best middleweight in the world and take fights at 195 or do kind of that thing, because don't – I mean – 205 sucks ass. Like he could beat a lot of a lot of top 15 light heavyweights. Now it's a terrible division. He's a really good fighter. But I think he's he's just a middleweight. This is where his best work's gonna be done. And I'd rather him do Rich Franklin and maybe take a one-off 195 or some catch weights against some other, you know, aging big names or whatever, than then move up to a division where he he'll have success, but I don't think he'll be a legitimate title threat. AK, who are you picking? Are we going with Bobby Knox or are we going with the durable, block-headed Marvin Vittori? The Reaper, by the way, his real nickname. Uh, the Reaper not. by knockout. What? By knockout. He's going to knock him out. He's going to catch him. He's going to be the first guy to finish Marvin Vittori. Third round, entertaining first two rounds. We get some of that, not quite that uh, Costa Vittori uh, brawl, which was hilarious and awesome. I wish I, it's definitely not going to go that way, but I think it is going to sp- spend a lot of time on the feet. I think Whitaker will be able to keep his back off the cage, and I think he's going to catch Vittori with something in the third and surprise and just shock everyone. Shock. Vittori will just be like, what the F happened? Uh, so I'm going to go, yeah, long shot, total random long shot pick. This, this is the mood I'm in, guys. For anyone who, who didn't tune in, who just tuning in now, I'm going to Avast second round knockout. I'm going Whitaker third round knockout. And for anyone asked, hell no, I'm not putting money on either of these wagers. Uh, so you shouldn't either. But I mean, just for the uh, fun, fun thing to say and what would be like the most interesting and uh, ex- exciting outcome. Yeah, I would love to see the, uh, the, the two top fights end in knockouts. Robert Whitaker by Nako is plus four hundred AK, so you get a little bit of a little bit of juice I'm there. Listening. Uh, I'm listening. My, fa- my favorite so thing, long. my favorite thing about that whole prediction you just gave AK, Jed's face changed multiple times, and I'm curious as to why. I just, I I don't know, man. I mean, if it happens, cool. But then a week later, when Robert Whitaker is suspended because he loaded his gloves with adamantium <laughs> before he swung on like i don't it just ain't that's that's not even even better for me even better it's i like if if there are two things i feel unbelievably confident on in this card it's that Cyril gone is winning and it's that this fight is going to a decision like i don't i will be stunned if outside of a freak injury either way you know if, if a tommy aspinall thing knock on wood happens that happens, but I cannot envision a world where Robert Whitaker is the dude who's able to put Marvin Vittori out. But I will say this. AK's card is going to be way more fun than mine. I think I'm picking like 10 decisions on this thing. So root for AK's outcomes because it will be a far more entertaining card. I like where you're coming from. I'm going Whitaker decision. It's not much more I could add to, to Jed's breakdown of the fight i just think vittori's durability the fact that he pushes the pace so much that he can push the action against the fence and he could probably score points over there in this kind of a fight i think it's competitive but i think at the end we're not going to have really a lot of doubts in our minds we're going to feel like all right whitaker won but it's not gonna be like a fight of the night kind of a fight i think it's just going to be like a really interesting fight to watch between one skill set and then just another skill set and the durability behind it as the landscapers have arrived. It's typical preview show stuff. No matter what time we do it, that's what happens. So we will move on to you, AK. What is the low-key banger? Like, I know there's some obvious ones out there, but what's what's the fight that's just not getting enough love in your eyes? I mean, the one on the main card, listen, I, I want to show love to my Canadian boy, Charles Rodin, Nathaniel Wood for, and both of them, by the way, stepping up on like relatively short notice. I think they've both fought within the last uh, two months. So very smart. Hey, both of them want to stay busy. Great. It's a competitive division. Get in there. Uh, Charles Rodin, you know, French Canadian gets to, gets to compete in, uh, in France. That'd be, a, you know, obviously that's a lovely thing to do. Um, but I mean, I have to ask, like I'm bringing this fight up just to ask. Why is Nasruddin Imavov and Joaquin Buckley on the prelims? And with respect to no William one knows. Gomes, no and one with knows. respect to William Gomez and Jarno Aarons, why are they? Dude, why did they screw get that? that? I don't understand. Screw that. I'm fine with William Gomez being on there because he's French. What in the name of God is Alessio De Chirico and Roman Kopolov doing the third fight from the top? Yeah, and you're right. And it's Kopolov is right. Kopolov yeah. hasn't won a fight in the UFC, and De Chirico is not good. 
<laughs> I don't know what the and hell the matchmakers Nas- did here. And it's not even. And for anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure everyone does know. Like Nasordin Imavov fights out of it's France. Good. He is. He is a. And he's. A, he's a. He's ranked in our. He's a top fifteen. Yeah, uh, he's a good uh, French middleweight in our rankings. He's a sleeper to someday fight for a title. He's. They're not even the featured prelim, at least not from what I saw on the schedule. So it makes no sense. Very confusing. This is, one, this is one of the most confusing card placements I've seen. Um, so I, it is a low key banger just by definition because it's weird on a very strange spot on the uh, ESPN Plus Plus prelims. Again, I guess the whole cards in ESPN Plus, so maybe it's not that big of a deal where fighters are. But it does look strange when you look at a lineup. Um, that if billing matters to you. That as as Jed said, there's a middleweight bout between Dikirko and Kapolov, so fighting the same division, and then a very random bout between newcomers, and then newcomers William Gomez and uh, Jarno Aaron. Yes, William Gomez. Um, uh, I'm fine with Gomez. Gomez is French. So that but, makes why, but why sense. him? Instead, but why him instead of Imavov? Imavov also fights out of France. So like, why? <laughs> uh, because um, because Erno's Dutch okay. and their flag is very similar to the French flag. Like it's just it's just uh-huh. turned. Like I don't, okay. I'm at least fine with you putting a French fighter on the main. I there's no excuse for Lester De Carico to be on this main card. Like there's zero, makes no sense. So this is confusing. It's very. This confusing. is a this is a boardroom conversation where it's like let's just put this fight there so we can get butts in the seats early because it's our first time here. That's probably what they're thinking. It still doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense when you could just do the same thing with some other fights. But be that as it may, that's a good Dude, pick. Just put- Put them Wasa on Denis as the opener. There you go. People are there. Because I think that's a fine idea, but like, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah. What's your low key banger, Jed? Uh, I mean, that is probably by definition the low key banger, just because, I mean, we've got a good guy going up against. Look, no one's talking about it. I don't, I don't want to be the guy, but nobody's saying anything about it. How many losses does Joaquin Buckley have since he started training? the Detroit urban survival tactic systems, whatever. How many? Zero. He hasn't lost since uh, Commander Dale brought him under his wing and showed him the way. And so I have questions. I'm interested. Uh, That's to me probably the, I mean, the actual best fight on the whole card. Like if you're just for excitement, it's Jordan. (laughs) Jordan Nathaniel Wood is going to be anarchy. That fight rules. Uh, but since it's a main card, that's probably not it. Uh, but if we want something different, give me Benoit Saint-Denis. Um, you know, lightweights, love lightweights. Gabriel Miranda is kind of a fun fighter. He's he is the fir- I believe he is the first French fighter on the card, so we'll get the crowd going, get everybody up. Fight's going to be pretty fun. So not a ton of bangers low-key here in my in, in my humble opinion. I think Hackbar asked McDessie will be fun. There's a little heat on that one. So that'll be a good one. That's a really fun um, fight. Yeah. And the Jordan, like I, I can't consider Jordan Wood a low-key banger because that fight's being talked about more than the freaking co-main events in a lot of, in a lot of ways in terms of f- fights people are looking forward to. So the yeah. co-main event will not be fun. So <laughs> it will be <laughs> Marvin Vittori is not a fun fighter. <laughs> He's just never been one. So the fight with Costa. The fight with Costa was great. That's true. But that's Paulo more the Costa, Costa factor. Yeah, Costa yeah, might that's be more that Paulo like, Costa yeah. is, has almost never not been fun. Yeah, he's very reliably chaotic <laughs> for sure. Yeah, he is He is chaotic good. So, uh, yes. yeah. I get I get people talking about Jordan and what that fight rules. That's a great fight. All right, let's go to the peeps. We'll take a few questions. Oh, by the way, I asked in the second poll, uh, Hello, do you want to do you want to see Robert Whitaker fight at light heavyweight? Sixty-three uh, percent, no. So not a lot of interest there right now. But just from our YouTube Cause he, poll, because you know. he doesn't, he's not a big middleweight, so it's just it's a hard yeah. to be like, yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. Let's go up to two hundred five. Yeah, I'm with the I'm with the majority on this one. All right, let me pull up the rankings. Who could he beat at two hundred five right now? I could see him beating up Paul Craig. Oh well, that was the first guy I saw on the list. Like, yeah. yeah, he could, be, he could <laughs> definitely be Paul Craig. I can see that. Could oh, Craig be just Paul taking strays and Scotland grooming his beard right be, now. Like, it's not I mean, personal. He can be, be Krylov. Um, no. he, he could be, be Tiago Santos. Definitely. Well, I could see that. Tiago Santos is should be in no one's top fifteen. Well, Santos, uh, the for, former, he's, in, he's number nine. He's number Four. nine in the UFC rankings. Yeah, he's 12, yeah. 12 in ours. And, uh, and you are correct, Casey. Former middleweight. That's the thing. Like, 
several top light heavyweights are former middleweights. Yeah. Robert yeah, Whitaker I, I, versus Robert Whitaker versus Anthony Smith. Who would you pick? Whitaker. Wow. Well, see, that's not that. That means I've never, I've never good. respected Anthony Smith as a fighter. <laughs> this is true. You're, this is true. you're never going to make me do it. And I know that it's probably because his name is wow. Anthony Smith, and he looks like oh, a creative fighter on a UFC video game. <laughs> but that's just, wow. I can't do it. Also, part of it is that he was such a non-entity at middleweight, and then moved up to a bad division and became good. It was like he probably oh. still just isn't good. Two of five is just bad. Which means he's a genius. No, I mean no. <laughs> That dude has done far more than I ever would have imagined with his career. I have nothing but respect for him for his career decisions. I just refuse <laughs> to think he's a good fighter. Probably I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. I just refuse to do it. If, you know, actually the whole the Whitaker going to a five thing I thought was really dumb. Uh, but you, you're kind of changing my mind now. If Whitaker loses tomorrow... Which I think he could lose. Oh, if, he, he lose. if he loses tomorrow, definitely move up because then you have nothing else to do. Uh, that's what I mean. If he loses tomorrow, especially if he, he just gets pressed against the cage or something by Vittori for two rounds or whatever. Like you said, you beat Tiago Santos, which we all think that Rob Whitaker would beat at 205. He would be a top 10 205-er, which means, pretty much means he's one win away from getting a title shot. Which is much closer to which he's much closer to gold at two hundred five than he would be at eighty five, even if a win. They would not, and they would not slow roll him either. They no, would no. give him. Well, no they would give. They would give him somewhat favor, favorable matchups on the way up to a title fight, more than likely. Here's a hot take for you. Uh, I am more willing to believe that Robert Whitaker could beat Yuri Prohashka than I am that Tai Tuivasa can beat Cyril Gan. Like far more willing to believe that Robert Whitaker could beat Yuri or Ankaliyev than Tuivasa can beat Gon. For as defensively sound Gon is, yeah, I I I can I get that I get that that makes sense. I like it. I like the fact that you like cracked your knuckles before you made the (laughs) tape. You know, I haven't fired a real good one down the middle, but it was a solid ninety-five mile an hour. Uh, That was a good one. There's there's no Greg Maddox there. If Jed can come back after his giant loss to BC, then of course Gunn can come back after his loss to Francis. We all know what but happened. It, yeah, but Jed doesn't feel like that was a giant loss. He feels like it we've, was a, a giant win. We've we all saw what happened. I'm just I'm just here to say it. I mean, it's the same. Like, yeah, Drake Drake beat me several times too. We watched the tape. Yeah, we saw. We the all tape. watched the tape. <laughs> Thank you. This David. is something I'm surprised we didn't talk about at all. Um, I'm gonna throw this out there. Papa Bless, will there be a takedown shot, a single takedown shot in the Cyril Gan Tai Tuivasa fight? Jed, you go uh, first. I would take the over half bet. Um, I we talked about a little on No Bets Bard. I think that there's a world where they just get weirdly entangled, and then gone. Maybe not a shot takedown, but Gon finds his way to a back body lock or something and goes for a trip, which is, you know, a takedown attempt. Maybe if, if we're just talking like power double through the middle, no, I don't think that will happen. But I do think there might be a, a little bit of grappling at just just from how the fight plays out. AK. I'll set. I'm gonna set the line at one and a half. I was gonna say. I would say point five. I would definitely go over. I mean, you're gonna get a. You could easily get a panic shot in there somewhere, right? Someone gets rocked and just out of instinct they shoot in, which I would count as a as a takedown attempt. One point five. Well, I, I, again, I'm predicting the fight to end in the second round, so uh, I have to. I would have to go under. Then, like I said, there might be one panic shot in there, but but that's about as far as it would go. So I would go under. I don't think you'd see more than one. I think we're gonna. I'm going the over. One and a half, but it won't be like a I'm shooting just so I can get a takedown kind of a shot. I think Cyril will, will do both of them, but just to kind of like mix mix things up a little bit and give Ty a different look, perhaps oh, maybe mix martial arts at one point. Backs if he up, just gets Ty on the ground, he's he's winning that entire round. Like if he yeah. if he comes in to be D one Cyril, he's gonna win that round, which would be yeah. funny. So I think there'll be a couple. I don't think this is gonna be. Zero gone turning into Marab and shooting 22 takedown attempts or anything like that. But Zero I de- definitely think he'll, I definitely think he'll throw a couple Casey. I definitely think there'll be takedowns, but what happens if D one 
Ty shows up. It would be awesome. I would love it. God, it would be great. <laughs> Isn't that the smartest? I mean, we just we just saw. I don't it. think I mean, it's the smartest plan, but it would be great. It'd be well, awesome. If okay, <laughs> do we believe Gon has improved since the Francis fight on the ground? Probably, probably. Yeah. Had to have, yeah. Are we are we just under that assumption? Assuming, I mean, yeah. This, this yeah, is the biggest. That's assumption. total. It's a total guess, but yes. Yeah. I mean, his coach was on the MA hour and basically said, like, we are going to work on re- defensive yeah. wrestling repeatedly it's, for the next few years. Essentially. It's also it's also less about if if Gon has improved defensively than it is. is like, I don't is is can Ty wrestle is Ty like I have no belief that Ty Tuivasa is like a good wrestler. And like, uh, who was the dude who did it? I'm blanking on this. Um I'm going to come up with this in a minute. Uh, oh, it's Tiago Santos. I don't know why I was blanking on it. D- D1 Tiago Santos came oh, out, man. and it worked for, like, two rounds. And then it was like, oh, I don't – this isn't a thing that I do. And so now I'm just gassed out and dead, and I can't fight anymore. <laughs> so, like, if this was a three-round fight, D1 tie would actually, I think, would be a hilariously and, and good strategy. But if he wrestles gone for the first two rounds, he is going to have no fuel left. And then he's just a sitting duck. I'm, I'm just wondering what's to prevent this fight from being Francis versus gone again. In in terms of the wrestling, is it just Francis is a much better athlete that we're I think not- Francis is a better athlete and we've seen yeah. Francis do some wrestling mm-hmm. before, not a lot, but he has done some of that before. Cause like that was at least, certainly wasn't a thing that I thought would happen, but like it was in the realm of possibilities. Maybe he scores a takedown, not like this will be the focal point of my game plan for the last three rounds, <laughs> yeah, and, but. And I, and I would genuinely believe that Gon's team, that was low on their list of priorities. Takedown. So obviously it, sh- it shouldn't be, you know, in a world title fight, you probably should be like, put- actually, no, it doesn't make sense. You know, you know who Francis Gano is in a title fight. It would. For that specific opponent, it would make no sense if you if you tried to emphasize everything equally. I mean, that that, that would no, be just as bad. You have to you would have to don't have a game get plan. hit by the big punch, yeah, right? So that, that's why the wrestling was so effective. I mean, definitely was not something that that uh, that Gon was prepared. For. None of us were prepared for. But what, uh, would the same logic apply to Ty? Game well, planning for Ty. Well, no, no, only because of what happened last time, which is to say, like, I still think it'd be like, what, 70-30 emphasis on striking, but there's definitely probably more of an emphasis on wrestling and takedown defense than he's ever had in any of his camps, just because of what happened in his last fight. It's I, an I, interesting I, thought. I also just yeah. don't... Francis Ngannou is Francis Ngannou, and it's like, I think that if Tai Tuivasa lands a really big shot, Cyril Gan will not die. Like, he will not be cool because he got hit by a big punch, but I think it is a whole different, like... Oh, I would like to not get hit by this dude because that's a bad strategy. But it is not the end of the world if he finds some success on the feet. Whereas with Francis, it's like if he touches me, I may in fact implode like just like a dying star. So I can't do that at all. And that's – which honestly means Francis Ngannou should probably exclusively wrestle because that makes him impossible to fight. It's like (laughs) I can't stand up with this dude and he's on my hips all the time. This sucks. So – but it'd be really fun. Be super interesting. I like where your head's at, Casey. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't believe it, but I just think, I mean, it's the conversation should be there. I mean, it, it's he, that's how he lost his last fight. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Gone, arguably, maybe although he's not, he's not the champ, but he, he might be the best heavyweight in the world. But also, we don't know either if, if he can really, if he really has a good ground game, or he can get off his back. We just once you get him down there, I don't know, mm-hmm. but. I think we know he can't uh, until proven otherwise. I think we can assume he can't get off his back because he had some success on the ground, but he did not get off his back consistently against Ngani. And a guy who's not an ADCC grappler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one knee and he's not an ADCC grappler. Yeah, like it's, it's just, not um, a. It's interesting. Uh, it would be right. very fun. If Tai Tuivasa shoots like a Danny Sabs takedown, just just <laughs> shoots her across the cage and takes him down in the first thirty seconds, it'd be I will scream. Give him, give him something to think about. I will stand up and applaud. AK, cover <laughs> yeah. your ears. Mix the martial arts. Mix the martial arts. <gasps> all right, all right. Um, find some more what questions. Else we got? Take a couple more. Uh, Focus on this card. We get a. Uh, we have our people's pre-fight show coming up tomorrow we can mix in some other stuff there 
just knocked my headphones out. How much does Ty have to cut? He's 266 on the nose this morning, so. Mm -hmm. so... So we expect him to be a little heavier tomorrow for the fight? Yep. Is this going to be a factor? Was, was he talking to Ariel about this? Or he did. Was this he did. He mentioned... Else? Like he walked it, it, like was, it was worse before. Yeah, it was worse in the past. I think he's gotten a bit more under control mm -hmm. now, but he still acknowledges, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big boy. I get big in between <laughs> fights. I am one of the heavyweights that has to cut down. He came in, uh, for anyone who missed it, 266, so he's... Used that one pound allowance, came in 266, uh, Cedal Gone. Third fight in a row, 247. That's his sweet spot. I think the one fight before that, like 245. So Cedal his he's got his body down like clockwork. It's 245, 247 in that range every time. And he's always going to be, quote unquote, giving up pounds, but he's not really giving up pounds to some of these guys. I mean, uh, as far as effective poundages, the dude's in incredible shape. He's tall. He's <laughs> effective pounds. Yeah, effective poundage. <laughs> He's giving um, up effective pounds when Ngannou is on top of him in rounds three, four, and five. Well, listen, yeah, when Ngannou has a lot, Ngannou has a lot of effective pounders. Let's just put it that way. I mean, that when that when that dude comes in two sixty-five, I mean that's two sixty-five. Just clip that, not, please. Somebody nothing, just clip Ngannou has a lot yeah. of effective poundage. Nothing's nothing's being wasted with him. So, um, uh, so yeah, it is it is it is it is like it is always weird to say like, oh, he's outweighed by twenty pounds. Like even if he is, even if they are like relatively around the same weight when they step into the cage, it's not that big of a deal. He's taller than Ty. He's taller than a lot of the guys he fights. So I mean, it's weird. It's it's weird to say he weighs less, but he's he looks bigger. Like when he steps in the cage, most of these guys he looks bigger. So you know, make of that what you will. I don't think the weight cut is a big deal he, for uh, he for looks Ty like he has question, hit the gym a lot. And Ty he's been there. Not. Yeah, he's been there a few yeah, times. Cyril Brown is aware of what a weight rack looks like. He knows his way yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, he's familiar. Yeah, I, I, see, I see him at Planet Fitness all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, we we're kind of we're, we're kind of we're good. Low questions. Of, yeah. Kind of awesome. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. No, listen. I think that's accurate. This is we, we you know I think we've we've given this card its due, but in as far as like sort of. Like I said, this casual is, intrigue, long-term like impact that some of these fights may have, and who knows? Maybe William Gomez or Jarno Aaron's is a future 145-pound champion. We don't know. That's kind of that's what's exciting about these cards, right? Is is sometimes you don't know someone; they could be tomorrow's stars, tomorrow's headline grabbers. But at a glance, I think we've said all we can outside of you know without making outlandish predictions for some of the from the people on this card. And frankly, I've already made two outlandish predictions for two of the fighters in this card. So uh, people, if I'm right, we'll be seeing Tui Vasev and uh, Whitaker knockout wins. I will oh. say, this card, it's a fine card. I think AK, you gave it a seven something, which is, I think, about right. Because um, it gets a little boost being the first one in France. If this card still had uh, Manon Fioro uh. versus Caitlin Chukagian or Jessica Andrade, whichever one of those, and Cedric Dumbe. This card would be oh. rocketed up into the high eights with the. I, I forgot it about needs the a little juice I forgot about jumping. You, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Like there, um, are, you were there producing are, BTL. You didn't remember New York. Yeah, also, how, well, yeah. no, I remember. Yeah, then yeah, I, it, it hurt. It hurt, and I was like, yeah. it repressed memories. You Rush. know, I was just like, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, it's coming back. There, there are like six good, like good fights on this card, and the rest is whatever. Um, varying levels of okay if you add the like essentially a, a flyweight title eliminator to this oh god plus yeah. plus doom bay like this card becomes yeah cha awesome. change about order but yeah main event yeah. co-main event's great get rid of jacarigo put um andraj um Minofaro, then put cedric Dumbay, and then move up um Ima imavov and buckley Dude, that yeah, main just, card will be if you, fuck, sick. Like, yeah, if you I'm so tired of cursing now. <laughs> yeah, if, if you had those two fights, then you could just put Imovov Buckley as the prelim main yeah, event. And that it would all make sense. Then, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. Card would be so good with those two those two things that fell off it. Hey, so the uh, you know the UFC tried. They tried. They put, did. They, they did try to put a great card together, and mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. just you know things happen. But, yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not blaming them on this one, no, and yeah. especially because yeah. it's still a perfectly fine card, but yeah. it. It has a chance to really be special, and because of that's how the fight game works, it a couple of pretty key fights fell off. And it's, daytime, bumping, it's a daytime card. It is. Yes, it's I was just us, gonna say I'm bumping. Yeah. I'm, I'm bumping it up to a seven point nine because of what you just said, Casey. Yeah. We glossed over the fact that it's early day MMA. Mm -hmm. The prelims yeah. start at noon Eastern, and then the main cards at I believe three p.m. Eastern. 
this is perfect. This is perfect. Now I know if you're, a, I know for the Jed shoes and GCs of the world, and for, the, for the southern, <laughs> for the southern college folk, it's a little bit of a tough hang because college football officially, like the real stuff, really kicks off on Saturday. So we're kind of competing. But <laughs> for people like me who grew up in Massachusetts who don't give a damn about that, let's go. Let's go. I love everything about this in terms of the start times and everything else. And with that being said, we're being played off. AK's dancing away. Jed's swaying. Casey's swaying. And I'm wrapping us up. Now I have to put the explicit tag on the podcast because uh, Casey had the curse. So I know, yeah. Thank you very much for me having to click an extra button. But <laughs> so, back here tomorrow. So much extra tomorrow. work for you, Mike. 11.30 a.m. Eastern, baby. For the People's Pre-Fight Show, get your coffee, get your croissant, the crepes ready to go, and we will see you then. But for AK, for Jed, for Casey Lydon, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Love you guys, and go dogs. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.